It's a little known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. As we see the uh, roots of physical aggression in the uh, male of the species, it's found right here in the old uh, DNA molecule itself. Yeah, right up uh, here about one o'clock, as I recall. Fascinating. Oh, yes, Diane. Fascinating. Uh, you hold on to your hat, too, because uh, the very letters, DNA, are an acronym for the words, dames are not aggressive. <laughs> they stand for deoxyribonucleic acid. Ah, yes, but uh, past that in the Latin declension in... Uh, my point is still moot. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I am your host, Ryan Daly, and I don't have a guest with me this time because I'm not reviewing an episode of Cheers this week. The second season of the show and the podcast are in the books, so it's time for another mailbag episode where I respond to the listener feedback from the past 10 episodes. I'm going to start off with the website comments that were left on the episode posts at fireandwaterpodcast.com, and then at the end I've got two emails to read and a bunch of new iTunes reviews, which are terrific. As I go through the episode feedback, I'm going to mention everyone who wrote a comment, but only spotlight one or two from each episode. So, let's get into it. Season 2, Episode 13, Battle of the Exes, which I covered with Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians. This was the episode that finally showed us Carla's ex-husband, Nick Tortelli, played by Dan Hedaya. This episode received comments from Rob Kelly, Chris Franklin, Gord Tolton, Siskoid, Marlene Stemme, and Tim Price. On the show, I mentioned that I thought Dan Hedaya had played Richard Nixon, but I couldn't remember for sure. Both Rob Kelly and Gord Tolton reminded me that the movie was called Dick. At least I think that's the message that Rob was trying to get across. Marlene Stemme said, I liked the discussion of Sam and Carla's kiss. What I like about it in the story is that it precludes any future possibility of Sam and Carla having a romantic relationship. Carla plays and flirts from time to time, but the question has already been answered. What I like about the kiss as it was performed by the actors goes to something I remember you guys saying in an early podcast about Sam, that he wants to make people feel good. I think he adores Carla and wants her to feel better. He's still smiling about it when Diane comes in. That's a really good point. That's a that's a good observation. I like that a lot. Yeah, and, and uh, both parts, especially the one about this sort of. I mean, that that could have been been a lingering question. You know, Carla is the woman that's always in his life. Would they ever actually get together? This one kind of definitively answers that. Nope, 
they came close or they, they tried it in as much as they kissed, but that is it. So, all right, I kind of like that. Uh, and then Tim Price said, the only other character I can think of that is mentioned before seen is one that hasn't been mentioned yet. This was about, uh, the, the question kind of came up, had any character been talked about as much as Carlos ex-husband before actually being introduced? And Tim said, uh, the only one maybe is Cliff's mom, who has not been mentioned in the show at this point. And Tim says, I don't think we've even had the reveal that Cliff still lives with his mom. And he quotes, I have my own room, I have my own hot plate. You got a problem with that? In my opinion, the casting of Mom was excellent. Yeah, Estelle Clavin is a treasure. I don't remember when we get to her, but she definitely becomes a a pretty popular recurring character in the later seasons. Uh, Season 2, Episode 14, titled No Help Wanted with my guest Ashford from the Right On Network, got comments from Rob Kelly, Doug Vandiver, Ashford, Ward Hill Terry, and Tim Price. This episode sparked some discussion about whether Sam Malone was a Republican based on one of his lines in the show. Doug Vandiver said, To me, the line, I'm conservative when it comes to money, is a statement limited to the specific case, money. I would say it, D, doesn't, N, necessarily, A, apply to the general case, so we have no indicator from that one line of dialogue what Sam thinks of either political party. That is a really good explanation and great use of the DNA joke from the episode. Nice work. Episode 2.15 and Kochi Makes 3, which I covered with Gene and Michelle Hendricks, received comments from Rob, Gene, Michelle, and Tim. On the episode, Gene had said, The only thing I know about Thunder Road is that it's a Garth Brooks song, to which Rob Kelly replied, Wow, Gene's been out of New Jersey for like three months and he has already blotted all of the Jersey stuff from his memory. Uh, yes. Uh, season 2, Episode 16, Cliff's Rocky Moment with Paul Spataro from Back to the Bins and Is It Jaws got feedback from Brian Linton, Chris Franklin, Rob Kelly, and Tim Price. Both Chris and Tim left comments about how they connected with the show, either in how Cliff arouses hostility in other people, or in the practical nature of his martial arts display. Brian Linton, however, keyed on to another part of the show, saying, I do have to take issue with Diane's assessment of a dolphin's ability to take on a bear. I'll bet on the dolphin every time if the conflict occurs in the water. Don't forget that, despite their cute and cuddly reputations, dolphins are highly intelligent and skilled predators. When sharks and dolphins meet in the wild, it is often the shark that comes out the loser, so it ultimately comes down to which of them has the home advantage. Oh dear, now I'm starting to sound like Cliff. Ah, no, to get that far off, you'd have to be going way out there on like how like the, the extra blubber in the dolphin gives it some advantage or uh, depending on like the the tides or like the the position of the moon gives it some sort of sonic ability that's really weird out there so uh, season two episode 17 fortune and men's weight one of the best funniest episodes of the series which I covered with Rob Kelly and Paul Spataro received comments from Rob Chris Franklin Brian Linton Paul Wildenberger Doug Vandiver, Rick Heineken, Tim Price, Siskoid, and Ward Hill Terry. Rob Kelly said, Sinatra! (laughs) Siskoid posted the Shakespeare Sonnet 29, from which the title derives its title. Ahem. When, in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble death heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate. 
wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoy contented least. Yet in these thoughts myself almost despising, haply I think on thee, and then my state, like to the lark at break of day arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings, that then I scorn to change my state with kings. And Wardhill Terry said, On Friday I listened to a music show on the radio. The host was featuring artists that had records on the Hot 100 in both 1960 and 1970. For a contest, he asked listeners what artist had records on the Hot 100 in 1960, 1970, and 1980. He gave a clue that the artist was American and male. Guess what I shouted at the radio? Sinatra! <laughs> Season 2, Episode 18, Snow Job, with my guest Marlene Stemmy, got feedback from Rob Kelly and Tim Price. They both praised Marlene's appearance on the show, which is good because I plan to have her back for more on Season 3. Episode 219, Coach Barry's a Grudge, featured John and Maggie Schaefer-Hames as my guests, and it got comments from Rob, John, and Tim. Rob said, I like the idea that, in some instances, it was Sam who looked out for Coach back during their baseball days, which gives their friendship more dimension. As to the ugly wife jokes, yeah, they don't age well, but I took them as the kind of stuff these old guys would say, as opposed to the show endorsing that particular POV. Yeah, that's pretty much how I view it, too. Uh, Season 2, Episode 20, Norman's Conquest, with my guest Jason Albrecht, the older and wiser of the Albrecht brothers, received comments from Dan Doherty, Doug Vandiver, and Tim Price. Dan said, I mainly know the term blatherskite from the original 1987 DuckTales cartoon. Whenever Fenton Crackshell needed to turn into Gizmo Duck, he had to say blathering blatherskite. Also, when I was a kid in the late 80s and early 90s, DuckTales and the syndicated reruns of Cheers both aired on the same channel. Wow, uh, I I watched DuckTales, but I never would have remembered that. Uh, Unfortunately, I haven't gotten my son to rewatch that show with me yet on Disney+, Plus. but hopefully. Um, God, I forgot. I forgot Gizmo Duck entirely and would never have remembered the name Fenton Crackshell to say nothing of Blathering Blatherskite. Good call. And now getting to the finale of Season 2, Episode 21, I'll Be Seeing You, Part 1, featuring Siskoid and Rick Heineken as my guests, got feedback from Diogo Casquillo, Siskoid, Doug Vandiver, Tim Price, and Rob Kelly. Diogo said Christopher Lloyd is not David Lloyd's son. David Lloyd does have a son named Christopher Lloyd, but he is a writer known for Frasier and co-creating the sitcoms Modern Family and Just Shoot Me. Yeah, um, lots of other listeners were quick to point out on Facebook and Twitter that we messed up on the Christopher Lloyd and David Lloyd thing. Well, actually, Rick messed that up. Even though it is my podcast, I take zero responsibility for it, because that's how you do leadership in this country. Or to quote Erwin M. Fletcher, it takes a big man to admit that he's wrong. I am not a big man. And finally, the end of the season, I'll be seeing you part two with Rick and Siskoid. We got comments from Clinton Robison, Gene Hendricks, Doug Vandiver, Siskoid, Brian Linton, and Mike Gillis. And pretty much everybody who wrote in jumped on us to say that we had screwed up yet again, this time attributing the Mortimer reference to Mortimer Mouse when everyone else agreed that Semenko was probably talking about Mortimer Snurd, the Muppet. In my defense, I'm not really familiar with either character. And it wasn't my mistake anyway, and also I hate you. 
Except for Mike Gillis, who in a better world would have been my guest on this episode. Uh, Mike wrote in to say, I am very impressed with how you guys handled this pair of episodes. This was really a good example of Cheers moving outside of its comfort zone and taking risks with some of the material that could have gone really badly and backfired. I was glad to see you debate the merits of actually showing or not showing the painting in this episode. So often, when a work of meta-art is talked up as a work of genius or something mind-blowing by the characters that experience it, it can't help but disappoint when it's finally showed to us, and I usually agree with Ryan that it's best left to the imagination. But in this case, I think it's really important to show the painting to the viewer. Not because of its artistic merit, but because of its emotional intent and the impact that it clearly has on Sam. I think this is the title's double meaning. I'll Be Seeing You isn't just a reference to the Sam-Diane breakup, it's a reference to the fact that until Sam sees the painting, he doesn't see Diane for what she's feeling. Wow is him finally seeing what Philip Semenko so clearly saw in Diane. We want to like the gang at Cheers, especially Sam Malone. And these episodes are really rough to watch, both in the way that Sam seems to revel in his honesty in the first part, and then seems so completely oblivious to the anguish that his behavior causes Diane, and their fight at the end goes into some really harrowing territory for a 1980s sitcom. I know that Diane is pushy and often quite condescending to Sam, and his line about feeling like a chimp is a really fair point, but... But, I don't think it warrants the sort of cruelty of Sam's response. I mean, damn, it made me wonder what Sam was like when he was drinking. On one hand, I'm really disappointed that I didn't get to record with you, and on the other, I'm almost relieved that I didn't. On many levels, these episodes are really uncomfortable to watch, and you guys really knocked it out of the park with a discussion that was intelligent and insightful. Siskoid and Rick were terrific guests, and you all did better than I would have done. Great jobs and terrific episode. Well, thank you very much, Mike. That was some great insight into those last couple of episodes. I really wish that I could have had you and Rob and Omar and pretty much all of my guests on on that episode just kind of talk about the merits of those things. But uh, I do agree, Rick and Cisco did a terrific job filling in for you guys. So uh, I'm happy with how that turned out. And that was the feedback from the Fire and Water website. Thank you to everybody, whether I read your comment on the air or not. I appreciate all of the comments that we got. You guys are terrific, and it makes it so much more fun to do this podcast when I get feedback like that. Uh, Now, before moving on to the emails, (sighs) curse Rick Heineken. Uh, Now I have to rank all of the Season 2 episodes. So... Here we go. 22 episodes. This is the order that I like them. This has nothing to do with the podcast coverage or what my guest might have had to say about that episode or the guest performance. This is strictly my ranking of the season two episodes in order. I'm going to start at the bottom. 22, Little Sister Don't Ya. 21, Affairs of the Heart. 20, Norman's Conquest. 19, No Help Wanted. 18, and Kochi makes three. 17, power play. 16, personal business. 15, snow job. 14, manager coach. 13, Cliff's rocky moment. 12, I'll be seeing you part one. 11, where there's a will. Alright, now we're into the top ten for the season. Number ten, just three friends. Number nine, how do I love thee? Let me call you back. Number eight, Homicidal Ham. Number seven, 
Coach Barry's a Grudge. Number six, I'll Be Seeing You, Part Two. Number five, Sumner's Return. Number four, They Called Me Mayday. Number three, Battle of the Exes. Number two, Old Flames. And number one, Fortune and Men's Weight. Um... Again, I mean, even even the episodes that were in the bottom half that didn't make it in the top ten, Cheers, the, the weakest episodes of Cheers were still really, really good. Um, so that's the ranking for Season 2. I have actually ranked both Season 1 and 2 together, and I have a rank of for the, the 44 episodes in there. I am not going to read those right now. Uh, I might wait until the end of Season 3 and provide... I also, just in the interest of saving time, I'm thinking maybe maybe I'll like just read the top 20 as they go like every time so that you know maybe by the end of this I'll have the complete list of 270-something episodes, whatever. But I don't need to read all of those every time. I'll, I'll figure out another way of getting those rankings, too. Anyway, moving on to the other feedback, I got two emails about Cheerscast in the last couple of months. The first email came from Peter Organ, and it says, Hi Ryan, hope you have had a great week. I should mention I got this back in January, and I probably was having a good week back then. Now, <laughs> uh, Peter says, Just a quick mail to say how much I'm enjoying the Cheerscast. It's a great opportunity to rewatch one of my favorite shows, and you're providing quite a bit of context to some of the jokes I have missed in the past due to being a Brit, especially the baseball ones. Thanks for the work you put into the cast. Take care, Peter Organ. Well, thank you very much. Uh, happy to get an email like that. I'm happy that you are enjoying the show. And, uh, yeah, if our discussion can provide any additional context, especially uh, to somebody who... Um, perhaps was too young to get some of the jokes or you know, comes from a different country where some of the cultural norms might uh, not have passed by. Anyway, I, I don't know. Thank you for the email. It's great to hear stuff like that. And the second email came in February from Stephen Hayes. The email subject line was Trump voters like Cheers 2. So brace yourselves, folks. Stephen writes, I used to be a big fan of your Cheers podcast, as I am a huge fan of Cheers. However, I was just listening to your episode for No Help Wanted, where you said you're ashamed to admit that you think many characters would vote for Trump. Donald Trump has helped to put this country in much better shape than it was when he took office. Like many Democrats, you should realize that not everybody thinks the way you do. In addition to Democrats, people who actually care about this country enjoy cheers and listen to your podcast. You should try to keep that in mind. I found your comment very insulting and will no longer be listening to your show. Please try to be better in the future. Steve. Okay. Well... If Steve did, in fact, stop listening to the podcast, then he is never going to hear this episode, right? So there's no reason to respond. I should ignore this email. I should have not even dignified it by reading it on the pod. That The easy, tactful, maybe smart thing to do would be to move on and go to the iTunes reviews, right? So, where to begin? Where to respond? Um, first... If you find it insulting that I might be ashamed that a fictional character I like would support Donald Trump, if that is insulting to you, that is pathetically thin-skinned because I can be so much more insulting than that. You say Donald Trump has helped to put this country in a much better shape than it was when he took office. 
from this statement, I can conclude that you are one of three types of people. You're either a billionaire, or you work for a right-wing media like Fox News, or you're a white nationalist, or maybe several of those things, because those are the only people for whom the country seems to be in better shape now than it was when Trump took office. Trump inherited an economy that was already rising and an unemployment rate that was declining. His policies benefited the stock market and CEOs, but that didn't make it easier for people to buy a house or provide health care for their families. He has actively made it harder for people to get affordable health care. So America is not better if you're sick, if you have a medical condition, if you need to see a doctor. Donald Trump promoted judges and policies that have restricted women's access to reproductive health care, so America is not better if you're a woman who needs responsible, life-saving medical treatment. America is not better if you're a person of color who has seen the rise of hateful rhetoric and violence surge in the last three years, who watch politicians make coded references to white supremacy verbally or with hand gestures during live TV broadcasts. America is not better if your family came here from Central or South America, not if ICE agents raid your home and tear your family apart, not if your hardworking, tax-paying mother and father is taken away by a federal agent with a Nazi swastika tattoo, not if you came to this country to escape a never-ending cycle of violence akin to ethnic cleansing, only to find yourself thrown into a dog cage with hundreds of other people and one toilet, to have your son or daughter ripped from your arms and thrown into a separate cage where they might not receive any kind of emotional or educational or physical support to maybe, maybe have them transferred to a foster care facility or possibly deported, and you had no idea where your child was for possibly as long as a year if you even found out the answer because the government that took your kid away didn't keep track of where he or she went? Should I keep going? I'm going to keep going. Is America better for the family and friends of Heather Heyer, who was run over by a white nationalist in Charlottesville, because she went there to counter-protest the neo-Nazis and the neo-Klansmen and the bottom feeders who want to start a race war? Heather Heyer went there to fight evil, to stand up and say, you guys are wrong, and Donald Trump said, well, actually, you're both right and you're both wrong. It's complicated. Is America better for the nonpartisan scientists who are supposed to give us accurate weather predictions? Scientists who had to suppress or alter their findings about the destructive path of a hurricane just so President Trump didn't have to look like he was wrong about something that could put people in danger? Is America better for doctors and providers of health care and patient care who don't have enough masks, gloves, and personal protective equipment as they treat thousands upon thousands of victims of an infectious pandemic? Of course the president did not create this virus, but when he was told the virus existed back in January and it would be here in a matter of months, he did nothing. He took no preventative steps because A, he is not mentally capable of thinking about problems that far off, and B, he's a sociopath who doesn't care about anything but his own brand. Donald Trump delayed taking any action that would prepare hospitals and their staffs, businesses and labor forces, everyone, for the deadly outbreak that was heading right for us. He ignored the problem, hoping that it would go away, and he said of anyone who tried to warn us about the danger of COVID-19 that it was part of a partisan hoax to stop his re-election. And now that state-level governments have ignored him and taken the advice of the Centers for Disease Control and shut down all non-essential jobs, 
Trump wants them to stop in two weeks when the pandemic might just be reaching its peak in the United States. This is too hard for him, and his kids are taking too big of a hit to their portfolios. So he wants America to go back to work, even if the sciences predict that it could contribute to the infections and deaths of millions and millions of Americans, easily eight figures. Steve said I should realize that not everybody thinks the way I do. I'm aware of that. I think that kids being butchered in their schools by weapons designed for warfare is too high a price to pay for the right to bear arms. I think radical, revolutionary changes to our infrastructure in order to save Earth's climate and protect my son's future is more important than protecting the fortunes of the people who are poisoning the planet. And I think Donald Trump is a worthless piece of human garbage. I think he's a racist, a rapist, and a con artist, and he is intellectually retarded and cowardly to a level usually reserved for the bullies in after-school kids' shows. But I know that not everybody thinks this way. I used to give more people the benefit of the doubt. I used to think that a lot of his supporters were just duped by the lies of Fox News, but come on. It's been like five years since he announced his candidacy with racist remarks. You know exactly who he is, and you like his perverted, nihilistic view of the world. America is better if you're an internet troll, and that's what the entire modern Republican Party has turned into. There is no policy or ideology, there is only the need to hurt everyone else. So yeah, if that's the kind of person you are, maybe you don't want to listen to my podcast anymore. The last thing Steve said was, please try to be better in the future. I do. Every day, I try to be better. A better husband, a better father, a better podcaster, a better man, a better Democrat, a better advocate for people who need help, and I frequently fall short, I will admit. But I don't think that's what Steve meant. I don't think his idea of being better and mine are the same thing. If he wants me to be the kind of person who actually cares about this country, to use his words... I think he means I should care more about the mythical idea of a country than the actual people in the country. That I should be more misogynist, more xenophobic, more homophobic, more transphobic. Sorry, I don't think I can do that. I could try to keep the episode shorter, though, if it helps more people listen to the show on their commute. Anyway, those were the emails. Let's get to some new iTunes reviews before we wrap up. We got six new reviews to cover, which is awesome. The first review, five stars from Elroy0415. The subject is Norm, with like six exclamation marks. Love this show and this cast. Well-deserved show that needed a podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. I plan to. Uh, next podcast, only four stars, Drat. Uh, it's from SLOTV1994. It's either Slot V or Slot 5, Slow TV. I, I'm not sure. Anyway, it's love. That's the subject line, love. Love this podcast, but also wish for them to stop playing sound clips from the show as it is very distant or distorted, as if someone is recording from a phone or something. That is not far off, uh, recording, <laughs> recording from a computer, but uh, yeah, until I find the means to freely and legally rip the digital audio directly uh, uh, onto my software, I'm afraid that that's that's about as good a quality as you're going to get for uh, the, uh, the sound clips, and I really do like to use them because I think it enhances the show. Uh, next one is a five-star review from Lieutenant Commander Josh. 
Ryan does an amazing job reviewing these episodes, and his enthusiasm for the show is so genuine, it has heightened the appreciation I already had for Cheers. I look forward to finishing Season 1 and catching up to the newest episodes. Well, hopefully you weren't turned off by some of my uh, politically charged comments in Season 2, and certainly not this episode, but sorry. Thank you for your service, Lieutenant Commander. Uh, Next review, five stars, titled Great Podcast from The Last Mole. I particularly enjoy the way the host recaps the zany details of each episode in a deadpan tone suggestive of a true crime narration. I don't know if this is intentional, but either way, it's hilarious. Oh, thank you. I tried to be. I tried to do the recaps just sort of matter-of-factly without giving so much emphasis to the details. So, if that sounds like a true crime narration, okay. Uh, five stars. I love the analysis. Uh, this is from Lil Twos. Really thoughtful analysis and fun PD features. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be pod or what PD is. The host is rad. Smiley face emoji. Keep the episodes coming. Well, thank you for calling me rad, and I plan to keep them coming eventually. Uh, And the last one from Loretta Tortelli, five stars, my regular podcast at work. Somehow I just got into Cheers after so many years, and this is my favorite of the Cheers podcasts out there. Good in-depth look at the episodes, but the host keeps it fun. Well, thank you very much to all of those five-star reviews and the one four-star review. I'm sorry for the time being. I'm going to keep the less-than-ideal sound clips until I find a better way of doing it. But, um... Uh, yeah, that is it for this installment of Cliffy's Mailbag, and that closes the book on Cheerscast Season 2. What comes next? Well, if you understand numbers, you guess that Season 3 is next, and you would be correct. And if you listen to the show in real time, you probably noticed that there was an unexpected month-long delay between Episode 20 and the two-part finale. Originally, I had hoped to have the season all done by the end of February. Then I would take March and April off to recharge and come back with Season 3 in May or June. That is still the plan at this point. I do need to take a bit of a hiatus. It's just good for me to step back every now and then, take a break from cheers, focus on other things, let that absence make the heart grow fonder, as they say, uh, and then I can dive back into a new season fresh. And I also like to rewatch most, if not all, of a season before I start recording, just so I can remind myself of certain beats and overall plot points for that season when I'm starting the show. And season three is a very significant season, uh, if you either remember or you will find out. The status quo for our lead characters is completely shaken up. We get the introduction of our first recurring guest star who will become a series regular uh, since the very beginning of the series. I guess Cliff kind of fits that description too, since he wasn't in the opening credits originally. Um, We also lose one of our beloved cast members forever, so that's going to be a bummer. But we will do it, and Season 3 will feature more new voices and just more episodes because it's a longer season. Expect that to start in June, probably. Uh, Until then, thank you for listening. You can support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook and Twitter, or you can leave a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Cheerscast is also available to download on Spotify now, if that's your thing. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network via Patreon. Special thanks to all of our patrons, and especially Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and Tim Price, who sponsored this show. For more information on how you can support the network in general, or this podcast in particular, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. 
Thanks to everyone for listening, and until next time... Sinatra! Sam, the written word is very special to me. To you, it's nothing more than a means of finding the men's room. Oh, 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 come on, listen, uh, I wrote pretty good in high school. You didn't write pretty good. You wrote pretty well. Gee, I wish you'd make up her mind. <laughs> listen, I got an idea. You're a pretty good, well writer. <laughs> listen, why don't you help me write this thing? Please? You're just feeling sorry for me. No, no, I'm not. Listen, I am not. Come here, come here. Look, uh, I threw away my chance to be a famous guy once. Maybe you could uh, help me this time. Please? Well, it would be good experience. Yeah. However, I would insist on an as-told-to credit. Okay. Hey, listen, I think this is going to be great. You and I make such a wonderful team in every other way, huh? No, come uh-huh. on, Sam. Now, do you want to fool around or do you want to write? Well, I thought I could do one and you could do the other. <laughs>